Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's online event, The Scientific Basis of the Brazilian Agricultural Revolution. My name is Dave Keating. I'm coming at you from the heart of the EU quarter for this first event in the Brazil Talks webinar series around sustainability, innovation, and productivity. I'd like to welcome our audience in Brazil, in Germany, and around the world. We have simultaneous translation today into English and German. Now, Brazil is currently not only one of the biggest food producers in the world, but it's also a center of innovation in several areas, especially those related to food and energy production. On one hand, Brazil is advantaged by its natural characteristics, but on the other hand, innovation has worked hand-in-hand with those characteristics. Research and innovation have played a fundamental role in the development of Brazilian agriculture. Today we're going to hear more about how this research played a role in the Brazilian agricultural revolution of the 20th century, and how it's also playing a role in the agricultural changes taking place today. We'll also talk about some of the challenges Brazil is facing, such as illegal deforestation. We'll talk about how legislation is complied with or isn't complied with, we'll talk about good practices to learn from, and we'll talk about how this challenge of illegal deforestation will continue to be tackled in the future. Now, you all at home will be able to, want to ask your questions to the panelists by typing into the Slido field to the right of your screen. You can go ahead and type in your questions now if you already know what they will be, and I will read them out to the panelists at the end of the panel. So, let me start by introducing the panelists we have for today. We have with us today Eduardo Sampaio, Chief of Staff at the Ministry of Agriculture, Livestock, and Food Supply of Brazil. We have Professor Dr. Stefan Sieber, Associate Professor at Humboldt University of Berlin and Coordinator of the Sustainable Land Use in Developing Countries Initiative, SUSLAND, at the Leibniz Center for Agricultural Landscape Research. We have Dr. Michel Bonatti, Lecturer on Environmental Policy at Humboldt University of Berlin and Deputy Coordinator of SUSLAND. We have Enrique Reis, International Coordinator of Supera Parque, which is a startup incubator in Brazil. And we have Flavio Greenspan, CEO of ICOR Brazil, which is another startup incubator. Thank you all for being with us today. Eduardo Sampaio, let's start with you. Tell me a little bit about how research and innovation has changed agriculture in Brazil, both for this agricultural revolution that took place in the 20th century, but also in the more recent times. Eduardo? Are you there, Eduardo? I'm not listening perfectly. May I begin to talk now? Because I, I'm yes. not listening perfectly. Okay, but yes, please everything begin. Okay, I can talk now. Okay. Yes. Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. I'm Eduardo. I'm, I've been working here at this agency for the last 24 years. I'm an agronomist, and I promise that in one year time, I'll be talking in Dutch. Okay. Uh, basically, Brazilian agriculture had a huge increase in productivity in the last decades due to the use of technology. I think... I think I can, I can say that we have finally learned how to manage our tropical soils. In the last 25 to 30 years, 
we began to give a, a give a big more importance to organic matter, to soil correction, especially in deep, in in, in depth. So the, the the plants can stand more the, the the dry periods. And one very special thing we have developed is double cropping. Uh, uh, in more than 20 million hectares, more than 21 million hectares this year, people are planting early harvest soybean varieties, which contain a lot of technology as well, because they are varieties developed to our conditions. So they plant early harvest soybean varieties, and they can plant in the center and north and center west of Brazil uh, corn or cotton, and in the south, wheat in the same harvest season without irrigation. So there are 21 million hectares that are planted twice in the same year. This, this means a lot in terms of intense of soil use. And the economists, they like to measure what they call the total factor, the, to, the total productivity, total factor productivity, which measures the, the increase in output which cannot be explained by the increase in inputs. And if we compare, uh, if we take, for example, in Brazil, the, 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 from 1975 to last year, to 2020, the product grew more than five times. And, and the, the, the total productivity factor grew, grew, grew about four times. Compared to other countries, only China surpassed Brazil. If we take a more recent period, Brazil is the country where the total factor of productivity has grown more. It's growing more, it's growing faster. That means that you are using a lot more efficiently soil, labor, and capital. I think these are my initial words. I'm here for the discussions. We can have further. Great, thank you very much, Eduardo. Stefan Sieber, let's turn to you next. Tell us, how has international cooperation in research and innovation changed agriculture. We just heard how the Brazilian innovation has done so, but there's also been international cooperation that has helped as well, right? Yes, thank you very much for giving me the floor. It's yes, we and at the Leibniz Center for Agriculture Landscape Research, we are one of the four big, let's say, research associations and uh, around 400 people working here in this center. And uh, I'd like to address um, your question with uh, majorly two points. One is that we have a long-lasting cooperation with Brazil. That's very important that we started in 2007 with um, um, developing tools for sustainable land use with EU finance programs. And also, and this gives us already and indicates already trends, um, with the Claris project that it is on climate assessment and adaptation, a better adaptation to climate change. This entails already this trend, what is really what has changed in the last decade. We had a project on COVID, COVID impacts on agriculture. Yet there you see that we have also major challenges also uh, with pandemics. And uh, we have also the agri-political dialogue program from the Ministry of Agriculture, where we try to initiate a dialogue program for increasing standards in sustainable trade on wood. It, this is a, the, um, the, the su su supply chain law. There you see that several 
topics are already tackled here. And I'd like only to address here very few key um, names here. The bioeconomy is looking for new added value um, the processes in order to have added value generated from natural resources. And the One World Without Hunger initiative from the Ministry of, um, of uh, Economic Cooperation, as well as the climate initiative from the Ministry of Environment. There you see, I just framed some of those initiatives from different ministries. And you see there is a long lasting over many, many years cooperation between Brazil and Germany. And just let me bring five major trends I see here. First of all, it's precision agriculture. What we have heard really, how we can really um, safeguard inputs or reduce inputs with the same output level that we see we can keep the productivity, but we use less inputs. This is the intensity. This is with precision agriculture, with technology. Secondly, it is climate change. And we know that there is a big challenge, how we can adapt to climate change a better way and how we can mitigate CO2 emissions in order to keep the 1.5 degree goal and objective. Thirdly, it is the information systems. We, we generate systematically a lot of knowledge in, in research and we have to provide to the farming sector this kind of knowledge. And I'd like to briefly just introduce here the ICT solution. That means the apps, the smartphone apps as one example, that we can provide exactly those knowledge what has been generated to the farmers. That's very important. Then we need to increase the productivity level. That means the quantity of produce. And how we do this, you have heard maybe about the sustainable intensification concept, about greening, climate smart agriculture. That means all concepts to increase productivity on the one hand side, but looking at also at the same time at a sustainability aspect. That's very important for us in research also to work in a transdisciplinary way involving the stakeholders on the ground and working on concepts that are more sustainable and also are increasing productivity to the same extent. And I just briefly say here, new technologies, this is point number five, artificial intelligence as one point, machine learning, what we have heard, and also up to the level that is really new research that robots also help in order to maybe eradicate or uh, delete weeds on the field, on the plots. That's something that is maybe the future outlook and the bioeconomy as well. That means looking for how to use natural resources and to bring added value and then also to protect natural resources at the same time. With this, I have finished my talk and I'm looking forward to discuss with you today.
But Michelle, let's turn to you next. So we just heard from Stefan there's some of the international cooperation that's been going on. And obviously this uh, research and innovation is in lots of different areas. What do you find to be some of the most interesting areas right now for agricultural research and innovation? Uh, Michelle, you're on mute. I'm sorry. Well, thank you for giving me the floor. It's a pleasure to be here today. I think addressing directly your question, um, Brazilian agriculture innovation has different faces and different actors behind. One of the, the key sectors here also is the family small farmers and specifically uh, innovative issues that they are they are promoting. I, I definitely should mention the, the work and the force that are done in terms of research and biodiversity regarding genetic seed banks, for example, land races as, as uh, in situ and ex situ farmers' fields and conservation um, regarding safeguard, for example, agrobiodiversity with local seeds, land races, and there is a lot already uh, proved scientifically and published in terms of genetic improvement with seeds that are not only promoting biodiversity but are more resistant to weather extreme events which tends to increase with climate change. So I think one of the, the key areas of research innovation is definitely agrobiodiversity and land race and there is also a lot done in terms of Urban agriculture, um, here I can see also one specific study case, which is called Pocket Revolution for the people from Brazil. It's called um, Revolução dos Baldinhos. And it, this is decentralized based management. It means that the organic material, the organic residue of uh, communities, of low-income communities in the south of Brazil, they are being transformed in compost to then be transformed in, in gardens and promote food security and those kind of communities. This composting technology promoting agriculture at local level, it's also a high, high well-evaluated um, socio-ecological technology from the agriculture perspective in Brazil. Thank you. I will be happy also to continue the discussion. Thanks a lot, Michelle. Let's turn to Enrique next. So I think your contribution here is really invaluable, you, you and Flavio, because you'll be able to really tell us the, the, the business aspect on the ground, these startups that you guys are involved in. So what kind of projects exist between Europe and Brazil to help startups really take advantage of all this research and innovation we've been hearing about? Thank you, Dave. Thank you for the floor. Hello, everybody. Well, uh, first of all, uh, one of the main uh, points that we have here is that uh, we can discuss some collaborations between companies from Germany and companies in Brazil. Here in Supera Park, we are one of the parks that uh, we have a, a very knowledge, we are very known because of the region and of course because of the, all the contacts and, the, and all the network that we have here are from agriculture business and agriculture. We have a lot of companies in agritechs. What we can see 
here that uh, is very that is growing very fast are a lot of projects that uh, has a collaboration between IoT inside platforms inside the inside the farms. So we can have a lot of agriculture uh, precision agriculture. We can have a lot of platforms that can go not only for the small farmers, but also for huge farmers and uh, companies that have a lot of uh, places in a, a lot of states here. And uh, I all, always like to see to the future that uh, when we have this collaboration between, between the technology that you can have in Europe and what we can have here in South and uh, South America, we can start having this collaboration. We can have some mutual agreements between the companies and also trying to seek the most of it for its part. I believe that uh, in the further discussions, we can have some thoughts about what kind of collaborations we can have, what kind of projects and initiatives we have from the Brazilian side. But oh, I would like to also hear about something from the, from the German side as well. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Enrique. Thanks, Enrique. Um, so, Flavio, let's turn to you next. How, let's get more of the, the domestic perspective from you. How have startups contributed, and, contributed to and benefited from Brazil's agricultural revolution? Well, thank you very much for inviting me, and thank you very much for giving me the floor. So let me uh, start uh, uh, mentioning that um, the startups here in Brazil play a very important role. Startups, science-based startups, are something new. We didn't have that uh, concept in place until the 2016-17. I, I, I was fortunate to be working with startups since 2016. I trained uh, more than 500 startups, so I've been following them. So. Uh, we expect those science-based startups to become the backbone of the future uh, Brazilian agriculture. So there is a, a very important role we expect uh, for the startups in this uh, revolution. So all of our startups we are working are startups that came out from research, from research at universities, research at um, uh, research institutes, and they not only were born from research, but they are going to grow with the research. They cannot grow without research. So they keep a partnership with local uh, research organizations, and they grow, and they have to grow worldwide. They are not only looking for the Brazilian to support the Brazilian agriculture. They, are, they need to become competitive worldwide. So the startups that we are working, the Institute of Science, uh, iCorp Brazil, are startups of this side. That means we stimulate them to look uh, to the global market. So they have to become competitive. They have to bring uh, foreign investment, and they have to grow and compete in the market. 
and uh, we have some examples today just for you to give the understand the size our institute uh, today has association with 85 startups from those 85 49 are from the agro area uh, 25 health and 11 are technology oriented so we are dealing with a many uh, startups and we expect them to become the the future of brazil uh, industrial effort and the business effort so our startups have to uh, look uh, how they, they they need to attend the needs of the global market so we have startups already in europe they have uh, patents worldwide they have uh, business going on in Europe with European partners. For example, the Ruan startup that works with precision agriculture, that's working with Copert in France and in Netherlands, uh, working with uh, Vera Cruz uh, Farm in Portugal. We have other startups working, in, including in German, uh, called uh, FIT, FIT. They do uh, nuclear magnetic resonance equipment. So our startups are born to become competitive worldwide, to become a, a, a new business that could bring technologies uh, and knowledge from the universities, from research into the, the private sector. So we have uh, significant uh, expectations for the future uh, of the Brazilian agriculture through startups. So that's the role that we expect from the startups. And we've been working with, uh, as I mentioned, 85 of them. And we have uh, new technologies in the environmental area, in, uh, in uh, cattle uh, production, in, uh, in new forms of uh, production of uh, proteins from uh, vegetables uh, to create uh, uh vegetable meat uh, uh, vegetable shrimp vegetable pork so we are, we have startups working on this so they are in the leading areas of the new research that's coming out so we expect them to to become a major player and also uh, just to, to mention we we just created a new project that uh, we we also have expectations on, on the carbon market we are producing carbon. We expect that these uh, uh, projects that produce carbon would be uh, influencing the uh, environment through uh, offering way to uh, mitigation the, uh, the emission of, of uh, uh, CO2 and also in uh, segregating and absorbing uh, CO2 in, in their uh, projects so we 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 think that uh, we are working in something that uh, it's called the the uh, uh, voluntary corporate uh, carbon market that means companies that voluntarily uh, are looking for uh, projects to compensate their emissions and uh, so this is has been a major issue here in brazil and we are working in our institutes to create uh, uh, companies that uh, produce carbon so they can eventually sell those carbon uh, in, in the market and we like to invite uh, our partners in in germany in europe 
to become uh, also a part of this process. We offer our platform for them to to put their projects uh, so we can uh, work together to get uh, uh, to emphasize this uh, activity from the uh, voluntary carbon market. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be waiting to, to participate uh, in the further discussions. Thank you very much. Thanks, Flavio. Uh, so really, sustainability is a real focus there for the innovation that's going on. I want to come back to that when we're talking about the current and future innovation. But let's go back to the past first. I want to go back to Eduardo. Uh, you gave us kind of a, a little history lesson there at the beginning about the agricultural revolution in Brazil. Tell me, what were the enabling factors in Brazil that allowed for this agricultural revolution to take place in the 20th century? What was really essential? Because I think that will be interesting to other countries, the ingredients for that revolution. Okay. Okay, thank you. I, can, I think I can point some factors I believe that were very important. We, have, we still have a set of very important public institutions research for, for agricultural research. We have we are a federation here. We have state-level companies like in Minas Gerais, Rio Grande do Sul, Santa Catarina, Paraná, São Paulo. We have very important companies. For example, in coffee, still the, the state company from São Paulo, Instituto Agronomo de Campinas, it's one of the most important institutions for developing coffee varieties. But also, we have a very important role played by the farmers themselves. It's not very easy to, to explain, but probably because Brazil is too big and, and things are difficult to reach, the farm side and the farmers themselves they are very innovative especially in the in the recent past i'll give one example it's a very strong example uh no tillage is fundamental for brazil the no tillage way of planting you plant without plowing the soil as most people do in, in temperate climates and we don't plow anymore and no tillage was developed initially by farmers they developed the, the machinery then they have, they have the help of the the, the the big companies that produce herbicides and later on, Embrapa jumped in and improved the system. But it was initially done by the farmers. And for the last, uh, but not the, the least important, is the respect to intellectual property rights. After we began to, 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 to grant these rights, big companies came in and they developed a lot of varieties, but only for the big, for the main crops, soybean, cotton, maize, and for, for, the cot, for, for the crops we, we use for subsistence here, I can point red beans. It's very important for our, it's a staple food for us. Uh, Embrapa still is, is, the main, is the main player. But anyway, I can uh, summarize. The farmers themselves, respect for intellectual property rights, and mostly in the past, the public research institutions. Stefan, from your perspective, what do you think were really the essential ingredients for this innovation that's taken place in Brazil so far? Yes. Well, I, I would also I would like to support exactly this, what, what happened normally, that you, we look nowadays also more in this holistic approaches. That means that we have a number of factors that drive success, and that was exactly also mentioned already. 
Um, and I'd like to maybe mention nowadays in, in research that we work very much in a transdisciplinary way. What does it mean? That means that if there is a research project that we look in a co-design approach, that means we have the stakeholders at a regional level, we come together, we sit on a round table and we discuss at the beginning the major challenges and what can be improved. And this is a joint action at the one hand side. That means it's a partnership approach and research is co accompanying this process that you we, you can imagine that you would be in a region with a lot of challenges uh, in a certain region and to say, okay, how can we make it more sustainable? And then jointly, we develop solutions for this. It might be that there are stakeholder involvements, the actors on the ground on the one hand side, and then looking at the success factors. And it was mentioned already. And what we see nowadays is that all factors that drive success should be introduced to the same extent. That means credits is one, knowledge that is capacity building is one, that is also the technology itself. And then looking whether this, what has been proposed as a new solution also fits into the context at a farm level. And that's very important. Quite often we provide solutions that do not match well with the exactly site-specific frame conditions on the ground. And there we need to match a better way between the local level and also between this what is provided. And this quite often also, and this is our experience, does not match all the time. And therefore it is important to involve the stakeholders from the beginning onwards. Thanks a lot, Stefan. I think that, uh, that makes sense from an evolution standpoint. Michelle, what about you? What do you think were really the essential ingredients and the enabling factors that uh, brought about this agricultural revolution? Yeah, that's definitely a very interesting question. And I, I really support what, what my colleagues have said, Stefan and Eduardo. I think uh, the, the local knowledge, the farmer knowledge definitely play a, a big role in, in Brazil agriculture and all the innovations that have been implemented. Uh, that's why it's so important to develop with them uh, in terms of research, all that we have been conducted, as, as Stefan mentioned too. I would add it to this, one point to this, which is the, the arrangements in terms of rural extension service that Brazil have. It's not common in not all the countries that, for example, we have been doing research, have such a structure in terms of give assist, give support to the farmers to have really agronomists in touch with the farmers in their, in their field experiments and trying and implemented different kind of solutions for the problems that they have, that they have in their farm. So I think the, I would add it to what was already said the, the arrangements in terms of rural extension service that Brazil has at, at, at state level and also at a national level, for example, as companies as Embrapa. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Enrique, what about you? What do you think were the real enabling factors here, particularly from the perspective of startups? 
Yeah, I, thank you, Dave. I believe that, uh, as Dr. Stephen already mentioned, this this matchmaking that we need to have between the common knowledge that we have from both sides, this is the key point that we can that we can achieve, and that this is the actually the goal that uh, we can have to provide a solution that can have this matchmaking inside both uh, inside both countries and i also believe that uh, having these collaborations between the companies is one of the best options that we have to trying to mitigate this kind of uh, uh, this kind of problem of communications problem of uh, of difference of knowledge and uh, inside the uh, spare we have an initiative an initiative that's called uh, a soft lending program that that is designed especially to these companies that uh, would like to internationalize them inside the brazilian market but they don't know where to start so i believe that not only from our side but we have a lot of projects with this goal that is trying to create these arrangements and uh, having this arrangement between the startup and a huge company and a startup in a medium or even itself and a startup with uh, a smaller company but both of them are working with the same solution but from different sides from different uh, uh, from different frames but we can put them to work together to have a solution that can be the best one from uh, for uh, the both sides so i believe that having this matchmaking with these initiatives with these projects it's one of the best options and best solutions that we can have to mitigate this risk to mitigate these problems that we can have between this both uh, this, between these two countries that are very different but we can have a lot of solutions that can work not only here but in german as well thank you very much dave for the question thanks flavia what about you what do you think were the essential enabling factors here let me give you uh, my, my impression is for the startup is not a uh, a research institute startup is not a large business start is something in between and the advantage of the startup is that it not only has to do something that works for the pharma but also has to survive has to have enough money to be able to continue and to grow so they are not a project oriented they have to uh, create a solution for a problem. So they don't sell the, the result of the research. They understand the problem of the farmer and develop a solution to solve the problem. Because without solving a problem, nobody's going to pay. The farmer is not going to pay. So the startup has the, the disadvantage. It, it, it has to solve a major problem in order to survive. 
and also has to be a, a problem that can grow fast without uh, this problem, nobody's going to invest in the startup. So the startup prepares itself to become a good investment for the uh, private sector to invest in new business. So uh, I think the startup solves major problems on the interface. Take the research results, transform into a solution of a major problem, and uh, able to uh, bring investors to invest in that solution to grow and to become a competitor in the market. So my role is to see that uh, the startups can survive uh, during the, the tr transition phase, and also that we could uh, uh, have startups that are able to, like the ones I mentioned, to become a global player, uh, including the one, uh, they, they, the business to business is a, is a very good uh, strategy for a startup. And we could be working together with European partners in all of this. So that's the history. Let's talk about where we are right now. Eduardo, in, in the current situation that Brazil finds itself in for agriculture, what are the areas of agricultural innovation that Brazil is more advanced in compared to other countries? And what are the areas in which it is behind compared to other countries? May I start? Yes. OK, because I'm not listening very well here. But OK, I can give like two perspectives for this question. Uh, Brazilian agriculture is very heterogeneous, very. It's very big, very diverse. It's regionally, it's really, there are huge regional differences. So taking this regional, this regional approach first, uh, I can say that in the semi-arid region, meaning the northeastern region of Brazil, uh, agriculture is still they still use less technology in general. Although even that region have some some very specific sites where they produce fruits very in a very uh, high standard way. I think we, we lost Eduardo there. Let's go to Stefan for the same question. Stefan, um, where do you think Brazil is more ahead in terms of agricultural technology and innovation? And where is it behind compared to other countries? Well, I would maybe I would frame it a, a bit differently uh, that also Brazil is hit by the climate change, of course, and that uh, typically there are vast regions where one need really to have the major challenge to see how we can build resilience. And I would bring in this resilience here as a big topic, um, how we can better adapt to climate change and as a biggest challenge in the north for example um, in order to have kept or to to stabilize a productivity loss that may happen due to climate change that is something i'd like to to push here forward and therefore we need research and um, and we need exactly um systems that predict also given or based on scenarios 
you all know this IPCC scenarios, but also beyond this, it is, for example, crop modeling um, saying what will happen. And this is climate proofing as a challenge where I see, yes, we need concepts for the future and we need, and I just give you some examples here, um, we need combinations of ver variables and factors that can have as an approach also adapt better to climate change. That is, for example, shifting the sowing dates that might be also um, developing and breeding uh, better seeds for drought resistance uh, seeds. It might be a combination of new management practices that might be also um, and I'd like also to bring here a big topic of restoration. And restoration is really an overall umbrella key um, term where I would say, yes, we need and Brazil needs also to restore. There was mentioned the carbon market uh, um, by, by Flavio um, to restore with sort of new income sources the land that is degraded. And that is something where also Brazil has a huge potential to also um, yeah, improve the land by restoration. One example would be intercropping. If there is a drought, if there is a semi-arid region, to test new technologies and also to test new management strategies like intercropping, where you have trees in between the normal crops, you stabilize the micro um, the microclimate, you have longer moisture holding capacity in soils, and then you stabilize at the very end yields. And this is one of those um, techniques I would see that is a really huge potential. And this, and we call it social ecological systems, this with a combination of people-centered approaches. That means the people have to be involved and they have to push and to develop these kinds of solutions at a regional level because each adaptation strategy is region explicit. Thank you for this. Michelle, how about you? Where, where do you think uh, Brazil is ahead in terms of innovation and where is it behind? I think I can give some examples where, where we really see clearly that the Brazil is ahead in terms of, as I said before, socio-ecological innovations in the frame of agriculture, for example, the decentralization of waste management and using this for composting, for example, this is one of the kinds of human agriculture that address not, not only food production, but also other social problems. And I think here it's important to mention that also in the frame of, of the development conditions that we have in Brazil, it's important to consider that agriculture also plays a role in terms of social development. So there is a, a multiple role of agriculture in terms of what, how it, we can promote it and how many different kind of challenges it can address at the same time, for example, in terms of biodiversity conservation, climate change, and, and all those other factors. So I think those kind of innovations uh, Brazil is heading and kind of innovative um, um, strategies that 
address different kinds of challenges. On the other hand, I think it's still needed um, very clear support for development of climate smart agriculture. So really be prepared for the future change that we that we will face. So I think here there is still a room for research development, which kind of strategies will help the farmers to, to adapt to the new uh, scenarios that are that are proposed. We recently conduct um, uh, um, the research group, part of our research group conduct um, uh, research that was published also in Nature. And it's, you see clearly that Latin America, at least from the research, from the scientific literature, has been at least published less in agriculture um, climate adaptation strategies. So uh, we are we are probably needing to at least report better what has been done in terms of climate adaptation. And I think also this, as I said before, had a combination uh, of also public policies that helps to improve the livelihood of small farmers. I think this is something that we, we can improve. Thank you. Thanks, Michelle. Enrique, what do you think from the perspective of startups? What, where is Brazil more advanced and where is it less advanced? Thank you, Dave, for the question. Actually, uh, I already said that what we have, actually what we have here in Supera is that uh, we have a lot of projects that are designed for uh, collaboration between the IoT inside the agriculture. So I believe that uh, thinking about uh, nationally, we have a lot of companies that work that are working with these faces. And also I can see uh, from some companies that we have here and some other companies that are even developing in Brazil, it's for the biological control. So this, uh, especially the biological control, I can see that are something that in Europe is growing, but not so not so fast. We have, a lot of countries are facing some issues to find the best solution inside this this frame. And uh, I also believe that uh, thinking about the Brazilian market, what kind of companies that we are behind from, let's say Europe or North America. Also, it's about the machinery. I believe that uh, we are having some we are having some change in that, but uh, because of the the value that we need from the machinery for us, especially for a small farmer inside this crop inside this frame, the small farmer he uh, has a lot of problems because of maybe a node machinery or he needs a solution for that. So every uh, every time that I see that we face a problem here, there's also an opportunity that uh, a company or someone can have an idea to develop this. And this is what, uh, since in Brazil we have uh, some issues, we are facing a lot of opportunities that are already emerging from small farmers, 
emerging from some centers of technology that are uh, designated for these farmers or for the agriculture. And one of the one of these problems is what I mentioned, the biological control. So I see that we are facing some problems, but at the same time, we have the opportunity to create or to develop a solution for these for these problems. Thank you, Dave. And Flavia, what about you? What do you think? Uh, where is Brazil more advanced, and where is it less advanced? Let Let me tell you what I can see from my startups where they are going. Uh, I think that uh, Enrique mentioned something important is that uh, we ha we see many startups working on bringing biology into the into the agriculture. So we have biological control, we have uh, biological uh, uh, pro new products uh, to to uh, attack specific uh, issues. And uh, we see biology being used in climate change. And uh, startups love problems. So I think the climate uh, change uh, challenge is going to be a, a heaven for the startups. They'll be able to concentrate on big problems and get solutions and eventually grow from, from trying to, to solve them. So. Um, the startups can use uh, challenges. They are, they are used to do that. I can see, uh, so biology is one of the issues. I see now another trend is the data trend. Uh, uh, the agriculture is becoming a uh, data agriculture. So we, we can, with the management of agriculture issues inside a farm is an issue of uh, uh, using correctly data. Uh, that uh, you you uh, you are going to be able to connect uh, sensors to collect uh, information. We can connect uh, uh, this information with many aspects on, on the farm management. So I see that this is going to be the next phase of the precision agriculture using data. I'm talking about machine learning. I'm talking artificial intelligence, big data issues and uh, uh, similar uh, use of robotics, uh, similar use of new technology. We are behind in one aspect on, on using data, that is communications. Our small farmers don't have uh, convenient access to the internet. So we are behind of uh, allowing those uh, small farmers to uh, be able to uh, participate in, in, in large projects. So uh, communications is a critical issue that we are behind. We still don't have 5G applied in the field. 5G will permit that uh, uh, you can control uh, parts of the agriculture uh, online because uh, 5G uh, is uh, able, has almost no delay. So we are going to create new processes that are, are managed online when we, we introduce 5G in the field. So uh, I do believe that this is the critical issue to have uh, enough uh, uh, 
uh, information, enough uh, uh, access from the farmers, for the farmers, uh, to be able to use convenient all the knowledge that uh, could be applied to them. So we hope that uh, if we do the same seminar next year, Brazil is going to be in a better situation. And another thing that I'm, I'm, I'm seeing now, because I work with agriculture startups and health startups, there is a merge. The problems are becoming similar. The problems in health area and the problems in agriculture are become similar. And we are going to have uh, something that um, Professor Stephen has mentioned, uh, a way to, to create a jo uh, solutions that involve different aspects of, of the knowledge. So we're not going to have a partition, agriculture here, health is there. We are going to be working on problems. And eventually this will bring knowledge that exists uh, inside uh, one area to be applied in the other area, not only through foods, but also through the basic idea of uh, identifying uh, uh, solutions for crop growth, uh, increased productivity, uh, pest management, and so on. Uh, we are going to be using a lot of what we learned from the, from the uh, health area. One point that I want to complement that uh, we, we suffer in Brazil is the issue of registration. The startups have difficulty in registering uh, their products uh, inside the Ministry of Agriculture uh, because it takes a long time and startups don't have much time. They, they die. And so uh, this is an issue that we have to solve internally, but uh, we need to decrease uh, the increase the possibility for a startups to survive in, until they, it has uh, making all the registration to, to be able to sell in market. Thank you. Thanks. So I think we have Eduardo connected again. Eduardo, let's go back to you for this question. Yes, great. Uh, so what, where is Brazil more ahead and where is it behind compared to other countries? Okay, I'm sorry for, for the problem. Let's go very quickly here. I, I will give two approaches, the regional approach and the commodity approach. Then I'll give a final comment in two minutes. Uh, if I take regionally, uh, the semi-arid region in Brazil, which is constituted in the northeastern region, we still really practice uh, agriculture with less technology over there. The nature conditions are very difficult. The, small are very far, the, the farms are very small. The farms are poor and they don't have access to technology. And really that region is lagging, is falling behind the others. If we take a commodity point of view, we think that we, we can see that the big ones they have they are doing very well. So I mean maize, coffee, cotton, rice, even rice, it's okay. Uh, if you go to the poultry production, we have a very interesting and a very competitive way that the the, the, the market organizes itself with small farmers produced to the big companies that process meat and sell, especially for poultry and, and pork. Uh, but I will add something to, to what Flavio just said. Agriculture is a very fertile land nowadays for new opportunities. And this I can add for the other question as well. I gave a historic perspective over there. But nowadays, we have plenty of plenty opportunities. We have 5 million farmers. I'll give very round figures here. 
about half million, they are medium to, to big size farmers. We have a bit more than 1 million that are family farmers, but they are competitive. Have a bit more than 2, 2 million farmers that are family farmers that can be competitive. They're still not. And they need technology. They are willing to pay for that. We have, they have access to credit. It's not perfect, but they, they, they do have. And so we have a big field for, for, for a big market for, for new innovations. Even we have a lot of, already a lot of, 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 of ag techs. They work with precision agriculture. Now they are working with bio, bio, biopesticides increasing very fast in Brazil. The use of biopesticides. It, even in farm solutions, uh, the fintechs, they are providing a lot of, of interesting financial solutions for farmers. Uh, there, are, there is a big market, a big interest for the farmer side in carbon monitoring. And carbon, because they are willing, this, they are looking after this carbon market. And even to these companies that, that, that want to, to, to work with, with green finance, there is a market as well to, to deforestation and, 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 and environmental monitoring in farms. Okay? I can, we can go to the next one. Thanks a lot. So we've had lots of questions come in from the audience, and a lot of them are on deforestation, which I was going to ask anyway. So let me put some of these questions um, to you. Uh, Stefan, let's start with you. So... Uh, the question we have here is from Nicole Polsterer from Fern. Uh, in, in fact, actually, Eduardo, I'll have you answer this first. Uh, so, Brazil has previously decoupled productivity from deforestation, but currently, unfortunately, deforestation is on the rise. What will Brazil do to stop deforestation? So, Eduardo, would you agree that uh, deforestation is on the rise? And what actions is Brazil taking to combat illegal deforestation? Yes, thank you for the question, Nicole. Yes, it's, it's undeniable that, that deforestation is on the rise. It's, it, they've put it very correctly, put it very correctly, correctly that's decoupled from the productivity because most farmers they, they 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 work with their land and they are increasing productivity but deforestation occurs more than I'll, I'll give a word on this okay more than half of it it's occurring in public land we have here in brazil what we call here non-designated land it's very difficult to translate it to english and probably to german as well it's it's a public land that's not uh National okay, lost Nature oh. Preservation. Okay, can I? Okay, I'll go yes, back again okay. about okay. the. Okay, okay. Uh, we, most of the deforestation is happening in what we call non destinated land, which is a very difficult expression to be translated into English and probably into German. It's public land that's not yet destinated. What means destinated? It's not a preservation, a preservation area, not a national park. It's not an area destinated for the, the, the Indian people, indigenous for, for our indigenous people here in Brazil. It's a public area that has no 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 destination. So it's a public land is no man's land. And we are working to 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 to, to do what you call here the land, what you call the I put here yesterday the, the expression in English. The lands, the land uh, regularization. We have to know 
who is the owner of the land. This is the first step to control deforestation. And if you go to deforestation that occurs in the farms, inside the farms, we are working in another field. We have the CAR, C-A-R, which we, we call it the, the National Environmental Registration of the Land. It's, it's, it's a legal obligation in Brazil that the farmers declared what happened in their land. We are now helping the states because this is, is an obligation of the states. We are a federation, we have states, like Germany have provinces, we have states here. Uh, uh, we are helping them to use uh, IT, information technology, using satellite images and IT uh, instruments to check what the farmers declared. And we have already ran some, some tests and by and large, it's okay. But we are validating these registrations. Then we can we can we can go after the farmers and tell, oh, okay, you are irregular here. You 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 should, according to our law, you should replace this this piece of land with forests again, because we have these legal reserves that are that the farmers has to have have they, they they have to have in their farms. So summarizing, deforestation is a problem. It's not it's not directly linked to agriculture. And we are trying to work on that, but it's it's a problem. It's 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 really raised in the last years. Uh, interesting. So, Stefan, from your perspective, um, what is Brazil doing in order to combat deforestation? We've heard there that there's been this decoupling, but of course, it, it, it is rising. Um, what have you observed in terms of trends there? Yes. Well, it is. Uh, I, I recently am also in contact with uh, initiatives, uh, German initiatives, uh, in order really to to try to uh, mitigate at least de deforestation. And um, I I cannot. I'm not in the position now to judge about uh, about the policy. But what I can say is that, of course, from the German position, there is a need. Um, to to mitigate and uh, to to break uh, this process, and there is a belt of deforestation belt where, of course, um, um, there is a need also exactly the land tenure and that the land use and cadastre is really matching and that the land titles uh, are very clear. That is a need, of course, that has been also done uh, in the agricultural land, and that should be also, of course. In this, in general terms, it should be also done in terms of land tenure um, at this, to the same extent where forest is. And um, the the major, I would say, challenge is um, also to look at uh, governance models. And this is a challenge I see also, and I'm in contact also with several uh, initiatives, initiatives here to say, yeah, who can control maybe this illegal deforestation? Once it is designated and, and the land title is clear, step two would be who controls it? And there we have in research a high number of evidence also. And this is also according to Elinor Ostrom that one say, yes, the governance system, that means the people on the ground, they should have a certain role of to control it a better way, and um, and there is uh, one key term that is often used is the result-based payments. That means that one collaborate with the communities on the ground and say yes, you have the right and you are empowered to control also illegal deforestation. 
And that should be one entry point um, from our position to say, yes, we try all well, the best uh, initiatives possible to, to find those kind of approaches at a community level that at the same time control exactly this. In, this is normally the, the best evidence one has if we set up governance models to control illegal deforestation. And that's my point here. Yes. Michelle, when we talk about illegal deforestation in Brazil, it obviously has an effect on the agricultural landscape. How has deforestation affected Brazil's agricultural landscape? Are you on mute? I think definitely the deforestation, it's a huge but very complex um, problem. And it also depends on which area of Brazil you're looking the the problem and how it's structured. I think also the, the actors, and here not, not only the agriculture actors, they they play a big role. I think there is not, not only affecting in terms of all the loss of biodiversity and environmental problems affecting also correlated with the the, the potentializing climate change, for example, and all the impacts in terms of sustainability that we know that deforestation cause. But it's also it's also economic problem to Brazil in terms of cooperation, for example, and how people uh, how the cooperation decrease in terms of also how to reach the standards for exportation, communalization uh, under those kind of environmental problems. So I think affects the landscape in terms of the, the loss of biodiversity and also the, the problems that that's the, the poor soils that it can generate, but also it's related to how we cooperate, for example, and how which kind of standards uh, we are established in terms of products and how we are cooperating this. On the other hand, I think it's also there is initiatives uh, in terms of how to agriculture, for example, and different kind of uh, systems, agriculture systems, sustainable agriculture systems could help to do the opposite and help to reforestation. For example, we have initiatives in civil pastoral system and sustainable cacao, all the the kind of agriculture systems that could support um, to revert a little bit the process of deforestation. Okay, I have a question here from the audience that I want to put to Enrique. It's on a different topic. I should note also, by the way, if you're watching this in German and you're hearing me in German right now, if you want to ask a question, you just need to go to the main page, the English page, to type in the question, uh, because I know that the German video doesn't have the um, input for the questions. So, uh, Enrique, this is a question from Mark Tonkin from Hope Resources. Uh, he says, there is a huge potential for converting agricultural waste biomass, forestry management waste biomass, as well as mixed unsegregated municipal waste into hydrogen in Brazil. Is hydrogen a component part of environmental sustainability in Brazil? I wonder, Enrique, do you know of any startups working in this area? Thank you, Dave, and I also would like to thank you. Thanks, Mark, for the question. 
Well, I can say about uh, the community the sorry the community that we have here. So not only the companies that we have in contact in inside the Supera Park, but also in the region. About this specific point about hydrogen, I'm not aware of it, but uh, I believe that uh, since uh, Brazil is a, a huge com a huge country with uh, a lot of startups and uh, depending on the state or depending on the region that this startup is it's based it can uh, have a lot of differences between the, the between the main points that the main solution the main tech that they are developing but uh, about this specific point I've, i'm not uh, aware of it but uh, i also believe that uh, one of the key points of having these events it's not only to show what uh, what kind of solutions are already emerging and already being developed but also the the change, the, the experience and the informations that we can have. Maybe one of the, the startups that we have here can divert their research and divert their main point to this kind of, uh, this kind of uh, main objective and, we, and uh, both of the companies can start working inside this inside this new technology or this new solution so i always like to present that even though that we are not on in a something in a new technology we can have a discussion about this new perspective and having a diversion and we can have uh, some companies that can start working with this from both sides. Thank you, Mark, and also thank you, Dave, for the, the question. Thanks. Let me put this question to Eduardo as well. Eduardo, is there a strategy for this from the government on this idea of converting waste to hydrogen? Not so far. Uh, not so far. I think we, we still don't have a specific public policy for that. We are we have some policies to convert biomass into energy as a, a, a in general, but not in, in hydrogen, green hydrogen as they say so far. But for is a Sunday night. I had a meeting with a, a fertilizer uh, manufacturer here in Brazil. They are in the state of Bahia in northeast, and they are now they are just they are just building a new plant to produce what they call green hydrogen from solar energy and from wind energy. And they are going to produce what they say, green ammonium, which will be a green nitrogen fertilizer <laughs> in the end of the day. Okay, but we don't have still. I think we lost Eduardo again. Um, so, uh, oh. No, I think he's gone. Um, Michelle, let me put a question to you that's come in from Tias Suarez. Apologies if I'm mispronouncing that. 
so a question for Michelle. Thank you for bringing in agrobiodiversity and seed saving initiatives. What are your thoughts on how seed sovereignty and local knowledge is being discussed nationally? Um, has been discussion nationally? There was the question was at the national level? Yes, at national level, yes. Okay. Yeah, I think there is there is different programs and depends also from the state here. I mean, there is also initiatives at national level that has changed in the, in the last uh, decades with the change of policies also. So this frame is... is is that the national level has changed a lot on the last decades and how this could support those kind of initiatives. There is also initiatives um, at national level, for example, with Embrapa, and we work closely to Embrapa here. So I think this is, is important to highlight. There is initiatives with Embrapa, and Embrapa also work sometimes, in the case of Santa Catarina, for example, close to EPAGRI, which is the, the rural extension service um, company at state level so that support the, this kind of uh, sovereignty initiatives as 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 bring on the question uh, to contribute to the farmers to have autonomy in terms of selecting their own seeds and also being less dependent of of external inputs here so i think the main um, the main initiatives that get support from the from the government in the case of the the areas that we study come from the from the state level with the the environmental service but also with the the universities which in in general support a lot the agriculture or the the farmers and the and the field but also give a value to to the initiatives by by researching and by also by publishing it scientifically to prove, for example, the value of those seeds and the value of the importance for agrobiodiversity. Which there is other cases of this this genetic pool that are studied in, in for example, in Mexico also and in all the Andean uh, area. And this also become common in, in Brazil, and it's a very important to, to highlight this. Thank you for the question. Thanks. So I want to take this next question. It's on CRISPR research, and I'm not sure who might be best placed to answer this. Let me put out the question and, and see which of you would like to talk about it. Uh, the question is from Sabu. Please comment on what CRISPR-related research is currently being studied in Brazil, and if applicable, in what crops? Does anyone feel equipped to talk about CRISPR? Very superficial here. I know that some universities really they have already developed something on, on using this kind of technology. Embrapa is, is working with it as well. I don't know any new variety that were that was released in the last times using CRISPR, but uh, new medicines or the medicine production using biotech, yes, we have already some something using CRISPR. I know that the regulation for CRISPR in Brazil is very alike the regulation for GM. Uh, they have to press through the same kind of approval, and unfortunately, that's all I can say. Anyone else on CRISPR? 
No, okay. So let me put this next question to Flavio. Um, this question comes from Gerard. Um, and Flavio, let me know if you, you know of some startups working in this area. Gerard says, speakers have spoken of the productivity efficiency benefits of precision agriculture. I'd like to know if Brazil has been able to incentivize powerful suppliers of inputs, like chemicals, feeds, and fertilizers, who by definition sell less through more efficient use of inputs. Do you have any thoughts, Flavio, on this productivity efficiency benefit? Yeah, we, we have uh, just the origin of the startup is the research. If there is a research uh, going on at the uh, universities and research institutes, there is a, a, a large probability that uh, we are going to spin off a startup. So startups work from the research. And this is an area, yes, uh, on precision agriculture, that uh, we have a lot of uh, uh, research uh, universities uh, being done. So uh, it's, uh, it's not uncommon to have a startup uh, working uh, on areas uh, to analyze uh, 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 precision agriculture to decrease the amount of, um, of uh, uh, inputs. Uh, I, have, I have a few examples. And because you see the startup has to work on the field and needs to have uh, customers. If they don't have customers, they, they die. So if it's a problem that uh, exists in the fields, they are going to be working on those problems. We have some startups working in this direction uh, in doing biological control, doing uh, minimizing uh, use of uh, inputs. And we have other, uh, precision agriculture startups, I mentioned one that's working with Copert in, uh, in France and Netherlands. So they supply the equipment for uh, Copert to, um, to create uh, uh, the solution for the biological control, minimizing the use of uh, uh, pesticides. And uh, so it, this is one example. We have uh, many other examples. So that is, if there is a problem, we, we are, the, the tendency is that we are going to have a startup. So there's a related question here that I want to put to Stefan. And this question comes from Dr. T. Trelau. Uh, there is currently huge pressure to reduce pesticide use while maintaining productivity. This is particularly challenging with climate change, increasing pressure on plants in terms of stress and pests. Could you please elaborate on which strategies are considered in Brazil in order to tackle this? Stefan? Yes. Well, I cannot, I cannot from the policy, Brazilian policy, I cannot uh, give this view. Uh, but certainly um, there is also in research, and I can just only put it in, in general terms here, um, there is uh, certainly the initiative and also the need to have um, a, a pathway towards pesticide-free agriculture. And um, this is, I can just do it from the German lens now that we have uh, uh, currently an initiative where we have a pesticide-free agriculture initiative. That does not mean nobody uses pesticides, but 
that research is seeking for pathways to, to, to reduce the use. And this is one concept that is fostered tremendously at the, at the moment also from in Germany, from several ministries, um, is the agroecology approach, but then also in a holistic view. That means, holistic view means here that one try to transform the entire food system, if possible, towards a more healthy food system without re or with reduced um, inputs um, in terms of pesticides and to come to more sustainable uh, systems. And agroecology system would be one um, food system approach agroecology that one see, yes, this is a transformation that happens. And there are many, 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 I would say, researchers, it's transformative research, looking for how we can come to a more sustainable um, agriculture. And one entry point is here sustainable consumption. That means that the consumer decides to pay even a little bit more for pesticide-free agriculture because, of course, it is because of um, lowered yield, it is also per hectare a little bit more expensive, maybe, to, to cope with this. Michelle, uh, same question to you. When we're looking at reducing pesticide use, but also responding to the effects of climate change, are there going to be difficulties there? Definitely. I think there is, is a big challenge for for agriculture around the world. And I think here I added to to what Stefan just said. I think agriculture is one approach that has been increasing a lot in the last decades. Uh, internationally, it has been recognized by the main international bodies like FAO promoting also big events to promote agriculture in terms of agroecology or under the, the structure or the lens of agroecology. Of course, we had then to also problematize what is agroecology because there is different definitions and there is different kinds of applications, but definitely uh, agroecology brings many um, many support for how to produce uh, decreasing the external inputs and how to concentrate on the circularity of of the systems and here here is also connected with needs and change overall and in terms of sustainability for example how we could address more circular system more circular economy how people can close the cycles and then also again connected with with the role of all the stakeholders on doing uh, a system that is more sustainable in terms of agricultural production. Enrique, from a startup perspective and thinking about technologies, is this a, a business opportunity here for people who want to find solutions of reducing pesticides, but also making sure that uh, we're ready for the effects of climate change and that yields don't drop? Yes, they definitely. As I said before, uh, one of the main technologies, the main solutions that we are facing in Brazil are the biological control. So a lot of companies, a lot of researchers actually saw that uh, the, the usage of uh, pesticide 
it has a, a lot of um, bad bad results, bad consequences. So they already start thinking about how we could avoid this. So we started uh, developing a lot of biological controls, not only inside the productivity on the animals, but also for the plants for usage in both uh, in both uh, both usages. And also there is this opportunity that uh, are evolving and they are emerging of thinking about the climate change that we can connect inside these technologies as well. So I also, I always like to see that uh, coming from a bad situation, we need to see the opportunities that we can improve from this bad situation. So I believe that this question, I believe that this point actually is the perfect example for this. Thank you, Dave. Sorry to interrupt. Um, I want to take one more question from the audience. So um, this question is for Eduardo. It's from Thais Suarez. Sorry again, Mr. Suarez or Ms. Suarez if I'm mispronouncing the name. Uh, this is from the Helmholtz Center of Environmental Research. Uh, Agroecology is promoted by IPBES as important for biodiversity, conservation, and climate. Is the ministry planning to start investing in technologies not focused on monocultures? And how is the MOA prepare, Ministry of Agriculture preparing for the climate crisis? Okay, thank you, Mr. Suarez. Uh, okay, uh, it's a very complex issue. We have to deal with market, okay? Market wants to buy, they are willing to purchase something and not everything. We have developed here some technologies that considering this market reality, we try to, to foster, we try to make farmers to, 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 to diversify a little bit their, their production, not only soybeans. So we have this, we call, what you call low carbon agricultural plan. In, in Portuguese, it's a very interesting name because it's ABC, Agricultura de Baixo Carbono, ABC plan. Uh, we have financing for this and we try to, to make farmers to, to mix livestock, mainly beef, cattle production and grain crops like corn or maize and soybeans. And uh, in an ideal way, they could also add trees to the system. And then we call integration livestock it's a very beautiful name, livestock, agriculture, livestock and forestry. And we have some. I think we've, let me just give it a second. Yeah, we think we've lost, we've lost Eduardo. Again, I think we got the gist of it though, Eduardo. Um, before we close out, we're just about out of time, but I do want to put one last question um, to Stefan or how about to Michelle? It's actually a question for both Stefan and Michelle, um, uh, and this is from Professor Williams Mendes. Uh, so uh, he is a professor at the Federal Institute of Education, Science, and Technology in the state of Mato Grosso, which is the largest producer of grains in Brazil. He asks, how can our institutions establish partnerships to develop research together. Michelle, I'll let you take that. What are some of the ways that partnerships between these institutions can be developed? 
Um, yeah, I think definitely Stefano added here. Uh, but I think we had been developed a lot of projects uh, around Latin America and of course also with Brazil. It depends a lot of what kind of calls we have. Then we have some lines and, and Stefan has here also the, mentioned the, the German ministry and the foundings that they destinate to, to cooperation in terms of research. So normally we, we go around one of the calls which are definitely related to sustainability issues in, in agriculture and establish um, case studies in cooperation with the universities and then develop with them the structure of research. But we are normally have those, those big areas of research that are shaped by the, the calls of the ministry or, for example, also European Commission. And this, this is normally how the cooperation starts. But I would also would like to give the word to, to Stefan to, to complete my answers. Stefan, do you have anything I, to add? Only in one minute. Uh, the best is to be proactive and to approach exactly those centers where you're interested in and to ask for cooperation, to start with, with exchange programs with students and PhDs, and then to look exactly for the financial resources in order to have an exchange on the one hand side and to have a joint development of cer certain innovations, I would say. And um, I already mentioned at the beginning all the initiatives, but there are plenty more. And the in a nutshell, if you're interested, go to this researcher where you're interested in and contact this researcher or maybe us if you want thank you very much thanks and just want to go back eduardo's back eduardo did you want to finish what you were saying before very quickly yes i said about low carbon agriculture then i, I would like to, to add then people are trying to introduce forestry in this system it's a bit of a bit more of diversification depending on the market conditions of the region but we are fostering and we are pushing very hard in the issue of bio bio inputs, which has also to do with the last question. Uh, big companies, of course, they don't like this. And, and we registered in the last two years more than 200 new bio, bio pesticides. And this has to do, is not really agroecology, but we try to at least give farmers the options of use, the, the options to use other products, which are not the, 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 the conventional pesticides. And we also have a very booming sector of organic agriculture. Because the market is increasing, just as in Germany, and farmers, the ones who can do it, they are they are they are jumping into organic agriculture as well. Well, thanks very much, Eduardo, and thank you to all of our panelists for some really interesting insights today. I think we've heard a lot, not just about the past when it comes to agricultural innovation in Brazil, but also about the present and about the future. And certainly when we're thinking about sustainability and climate change, as Eduardo was just saying, there are a lot of challenges there, uh, but a lot of, I think, potential for innovation to solve some of these challenges. Uh, so I hope you've enjoyed today's event and found it informative. If you'd like to re-watch either the English or the German versions, you can find them on the Euractive Events page archived. And you can watch it back at any time you like. Uh, but that's all we have time for today. So I thank you all for spending your afternoon with us. And I wish you all a wonderful evening. Take care. <music>